Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of Stand Up For The Truth. Important topic today. We're going to get right to it after we open up in prayer. Um, Lord God, thank you for allowing us to talk about some things that Christians are being deceived by and talking about things that may be popular in the world. But um, we will be reminded that uh, we are not to conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds So, Lord, help us get in your word. Help us be more discerning and not conform. No matter how popular something might be, no matter how good-sounding on the surface it might be, um, these things lack true power, and, of course, they often lack truth. So, Lord, uh, I lift up this time to you today that we can encourage people and inform uh, people who are concerned about what's happening not only in the country today, but in the Christian and evangelical churches. Lord, help us. Give us um, your word to uh, guide us through this. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that you promised to guide us into all truth, and we stand on that promise today and every day. We love you and thank you again. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, uh, a great show today. I'm looking forward to all the topics we're going to be discussing. You know, mature Christians may have a hard time believing what some uh, churches are promoting and allowing and what many Christians are falling for these days, but it's a problem that needs to be addressed. That's why we are going to have the this type of topic on our podcast today. What are we talking about? It's a basic lack of discernment and understanding of God's Word. For starters, I mean, we'll get into hopefully one or more of these horoscopes, astrology, goat yoga, Christian witches, the Enneagram, progressive Christianity, psychics, uh, scripture yoga. Oh, my goodness. I was researching for this show yesterday, and I found so many things that even surprised me. But today we've got someone that uh, we know is going to really help us uh, sort through all this, and it's Jill Martin Rishi. We're so glad to have her back. She's the daughter of the late Dr. Walter Martin, who founded the Christian Research Institute in 1960 and later, Walter Martin Ministries. She was a regular guest on the late uh, Frank Passori show on KKLA. She's the co-author of The Kingdom of the Occult, along with her father and Christian apologist Kurt Van Gordon. She and her husband Kevin are the managing editors on the Walter Martin's 45-year bestseller, The Kingdom of the Cults, which we'll have a link to in today's podcast notes. They still live in St. Paul, Minnesota with their daughter, Christina, and son, Justin. Jill Martin Rishi, welcome back to Stand Up for the Truth. Thanks for having me, David. All right. Thank you for being here, Jill. We um, we know you're busy, and we appreciate your time. And I know you recently uh, were speaking at a great event, Stealing the Mind. It's an annual conference. I'd love for you to tell us more about that. That was just a wonderful time to walk into this room and see all of these people there. And they're spending their Saturday learning about the Bible. <laughs> that was incredible. Now, Dave you, Reagan was there, oh, yes, yes. Lamb and Lion, Russ Miller. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about it. I've watched a few online. In fact, I've got a few DVDs um, of the Stealing the Mind conference. Great conference. Um, for those who maybe are not familiar with it, uh, where would you direct them to get more information? Uh, they can go to compass.org. Compass. Mm-hmm. Compass.org. Awesome. And it's uh, we're excited to um, just be talking more about that in the, in the next couple weeks, too. Um, but I want to jump right into the topics here today, Jill. So much to get to. Um, I'm holding in my hand the brand new Understanding the Times uh, newsletter I got in the email, or actually in the mail yesterday. I'm holding it. <laughs> I don't hold it. You don't hold an email, right? Um, but uh, Jan talks about so many different uh, things in there. I love the uh, rules for remnant survival, how to survive these last days. But one thing that we on this show haven't talked a whole lot about, and we hear some in the news, and it seems to be maybe conflicting reports. Before we get into some deeper issues 
I, I want to get just get your take on what you hear and what you discern about the coronavirus. This is something that they have been warning about for a very long time. And actually, as a professor, I talk with my students uh, about different historical events. And one of them is 1918. So we have been talking about the Spanish flu and it was scary for me to watch the evolution of the coronavirus because in so many ways it was similar to the spread of the 1918 Spanish flu. Hmm. So I've been watching this and obviously it's something to be very concerned about. But what I tell my students is you never rule out God. Mm. He has a pathway through the darkest times because what does Psalm 23 say? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil mm. for you are with me. Amen. So that's how I look at the coronavirus. It looks dark. People in the world are panicking because that's what they do when they look into an empty soul. There's nothing there to comfort them. They think they are the be all and end all of knowledge. So they have no strength outside of themselves and they panic at everything and we can see that in the whole climate change mess yes so <laughs> you know i look at their response to the coronavirus and i go to psalm one and we are supposed to not stand or sit or walk with those who are spouting things that are not biblically rooted. And I'm talking, not that we can't have relationship with people, but just simply relying on their advice. That's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to go to the Bible. We're supposed to rely on what God says. Amen. And he says, look, I'm in control. Amen. I want to point out that Todd Strandberg, editor of the Rapture Ready uh, website, uh, said, I think the increasing threat of a global pandemic is meant to be a warning sign from God of worse things to come, and uh, the pale horse of pestilence is getting ready to ride. His order to ride out will not come until the tribulation is well underway, Todd writes. And then he refers to uh, the verses in Revelation 6, 8, and uh, when the pale horse came and, and his name that sat on him was death and hell followed with him. That doesn't sound like a very pleasant time for this earth, but today um, diseases are spreading. And I've also heard, we got to keep this in perspective, Jill, um, and we know the flu virus kills thousands, if not tens of thousands, of Americans. I, I'm not sure if that's every year or if, uh, if that's recent. Are you f familiar with those numbers? Yes, they change every year, mm -hmm. but you're right. There are huge amounts of Americans that we lose. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, all the other things. And so the numbers of the coronavirus, it sounds like it's a massive threat, and potentially it could be, and, but God willing, uh, we'll you know, have things sorted out here and they'll, they'll do the right testing and have the right antidotes and all that, so vaccines and whatever needs to be done here in our country. As far as, I mean, there's other countries that are having big problems with this, China and Japan, and um, I think that's pretty much um, what we can do to sum this up. But, but as you said very, very clearly, um, we trust in the Lord, and the Lord is our shepherd. We lack nothing, and also we are not given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind as believers. All right, let's get into some other uh, things we really need to talk about when it comes to church members and discernment and what's happening in our culture today. Um, before we get into what I found out to be astonishing, and that would be goat yoga, we, I really want to talk about this idea of uh, Christians reading horoscopes, because we haven't mentioned that a lot on this podcast, Jill, and I know you're very much informed and up to speed on this, and 
Um, it, it's not a good thing. And even if, even in subtle, if you just read it for fun and you make fun of it, you just see what it says about you. There's you can it can still draw you in, can't it? Well, horoscopes are like other tools of the occult. And they open a doorway into another dimension, and you don't want to go there. So aside from the fact that you are inviting deadly evil <laughs> into your life, mm. uh, there's the problem of how the horoscopes are actually determined. That's changed. Hundreds and hundreds of years ago, they did it a different way. So, you know, you are not the sign that you would have been 600 years ago. Hmm. And you have to stop and ask yourself, what are they using to interpret this? Right. It's not something that's consistent or reliable. It's something that's dangerous and at the very least, not accurate. And the word horoscope comes from the Greek meaning watcher of the hour, and astrologers have studied what they believe to be the, what, the meanings of planets, zodiac signs, other astrological data. And one thing that we can definitely jump to right now, there's a great article by Ma Marcia Montenegro, which she says, God reveals himself as creator in nature and in the design of the universe. The fullest revelation of God came in his son, Jesus Christ. And so we have his word, and the word very clearly warns about these things. Now, Jill, what would you say to the Christian who might be listening that thinks it's innocent and thinks the horoscope is kind of like a fortune cookie or something in there? It's just not as big of a threat or a danger as you and I might be suggesting. Well, Satan always presents himself as an angel of light. Hmm. That's what he does. So you have to remember the nature of the adversary. He is not someone who is going to appear in front of you in a red suit with horns and a, a pointed tail, pitchfork. That's not how he works. He sneaks in. He uses our natural curiosity against us. Mm. So when you look at horoscopes, it's a doorway because you want to know more. You want to open up your heart. You become more curious intellectually and mostly spiritually. And Satan works through that. We look at the world as Christians from a supernatural perspective. Mm -hmm. Yes, we do. So you have to be aware of the nature of the enemy, and you have to know the strategy that he uses. Mm. And subtle things, and things that uh, don't appear to be, on the surface, harmful. Uh, we're speaking with Jill Martin Rishi, co-author of The Kingdom of the Occult, and uh, astrological philosophy is based on the occult worldview that asserts, as above, so below. I remember reading about that. I remember I was reading about the occult or Anton LaVey or something, but I remember that as above, so below. According to this view, everything in the universe is one and connected. Therefore, the patterns of the planets reflect our lives on Earth. And so there's a concern about this because the belief that the patterns and movements of the planets, sun, moon, reflect our lives, that contradicts the view of Scripture, an omniscient God who created the heavenly bodies to reflect and proclaim his glory, as it says in the Psalms. Uh, you know, everything reflects the glory of God. Nature does. So, Jill, what are your concerns about people who are missing the fact that this can get into um, monism and, and pantheism, where God is all, God, we are one, God is one with the universe? Uh, what are your concerns about that? Well, this whole idea that so above, or as above, so below, actually goes back to Plato and his <laughs> philosophy, yeah, his philosophy mm. of forms. And so that's an interesting thing when you think that it's rooted in secular philosophy. Mm -hmm. But then we go into the spiritual aspect of it, which of course is not anything to do with God. And it's a sad thing when Christians set aside God, who is the mm -hmm. creator, yes. in favor of 
makes a so much weaker being. Mm -hmm. Satan is just a creation. He's a powerful creation, but he cannot even compare to God. So it's a sad thing when people who say they are Christians don't want to take the time to find out more about the incredible God they serve. Mm. And they would rather become intrigued with almost a little, you could put it in a, a recreational mm -hmm. <laughs> type of spirituality where they can gain some form of short term knowledge. Mm. And that makes them happy. But God says, you're not going to find out the correct things about the future no. from anyone other than me. Mm. Only I know the future. So Satan has a perspective of the future. We don't know how much he knows, but he knows enough to provide information to people that entraps them. Mm -hmm. So that's what we have to be careful about. We are warned in Ephesians 5.11, uh, have no fellowship with the unfruitful deeds of darkness. And I go to the end of this article on horoscopes, and I, I appreciate the scriptures that are shared here. I, I forgot about Isaiah 8.19. It says, when they say to you, consult the mediums and the spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people consult their God? Should they consult the dead on behalf of the living? That's Isaiah 8.19, and what you referred to earlier, Jill, Romans 1.25, and we'll end this topic with, with the Scripture. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, Romans 1.25. So um, just be careful, these things, uh, horoscopes, it might seem fun or entertaining, and that's what it is. Oftentimes we pursue entertainment. I don't know why, to occupy our minds, get to maybe get away from the, the hard things in life and some of what's going on in the country. But entertainment, we've got to be very, very careful. Of course, some of it can turn into idolatry, but stuff like this, um, it goes way beyond entertainment if you look at the spiritual aspects of it. Okay, um, Jill, we're, we, we may have to take an early break here because the next topic, which we're going to get into, and I'll just say it right now, that it, it is controversial and uh, even the person that shared this, and that would be Beth Moore, um, she shared recently that her daughter had a goat yoga party. And so I had to look up, all right, I've heard about this. Is, is it a fad? What is it? Goat yoga. So we're going to talk about goat yoga when we get back. I even went back to 2007 or 2008, and a book came out called Holy Yoga. And so they're trying to mix Christianity with Hinduism. Now they're trying to bring in animals. So Jill Martin Rishi, we're taking an early break. When we come back, more on these and other topics that we need to be discerning about on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest today, Jill Martin Rishi, co-author of The Kingdom of the Occult, and uh, she works with Jan Markell, Olive Tree Views, wonderful ministry. We hear her every Saturday morning here on uh, Q90FM, and we are thankful for Jan's ministry. Um, so we just talked about horoscopes. Uh, we're going to talk about Christian witches, and I put that in quotes. How about, quote, Christian yoga? Uh, going all the way back before we get to the Beth Moore tweet and the updates on what's happening in the yoga world, um, there's a book, Jill, came out in 2007 called Holy Yoga, Exercise for the Christian Body and Soul. It says people, people often equate yoga with Eastern religion, but Brooke Boone see, sees it as an exercise style that Christians can use to generate patience, strength, and deeper worship. Your thoughts right off the top, Jill. Well, Western yoga is an interesting thing. A very shallow, a very geared toward positions, which is at the heart of the word yoga. But unfortunately, it has nothing to do with actual yoga. It is, they're trying to divorce a spiritual practice 
from a physical practice mm -hmm. and every Hindu yogi, including the very highly placed ones, say, oh, no, you can't do that. In fact, the original ancient practice of yoga, which, by the way, we can only trace back to about the Middle Ages. There is one particular uh, treatise that was written that goes back farther than that, but it does not address the yoga positions as we know them today. Hmm. So this really is a more modern take on yoga. In mm -hmm. fact, some say even over the last hundred years is where we saw the change to the focus on the physical, but that is not yoga. Yoga was originally created to open up the spirit for spiritual development. Yes. And that's why Hindu yogis call it Hindu evangelism. Mm. That's what they call it. So really, yoga is meant to draw on the kundalini spirit, which is like a serpent coiled spirit. And it's coiled at the base of your spine mm -hmm. to call it up to cause you to explore deeper layers of the mind. Mm -hmm. So you simply cannot redefine yoga any way you would like. So what we see with holy yoga and goat yoga and all these things is they think they can come in and redefine something to fit what they want it to be, which as you know, David, is what cults do. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. So we can't if we look at all of life like this, where we can go in and redefine things, we would have anarchy. That's why we have something called absolute truth. So a heart is a heart, right? We have absolute yep. truth in medicine. A lung is a lung, right? You can't redefine those things. So if you go into a, a, a an operating room, and the surgeon looks at you and says, oh, today we're operating on your heart. And you're like, okay, great. And then he points to your lungs and says, we're going to be taking out half of this, half of your lungs. <laughs> well, it's ridiculous. You have to have absolute truth. Mm. We have absolute truth in virtually in every area of life. I mean, yes. you can look at auto repair and we have absolute truth. If you don't follow certain things in auto repair, you have a mess. Math. If you don't follow absolute truth in math, you have a mess. So why is it that people think that when it comes to spiritual things, there is no absolute truth? Mm. Of course there is. Right. God says, I am truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Amen. So when you have these Christians, quote unquote, Christians, who think they can come in and take a practice rooted in actual idol worship and redefine it and stick Bible verses in there, and that's A-okay, mm -hmm. I have a problem with that. Yes, it is rooted in Hinduism. And just to clarify, yoga is a process of spiritual unfoldment, goes back 5,000 years, a system of self-knowledge, God-realization. The aim is unleashing the full hidden potential of every aspect of the human, and it is the purpose is to yoke, bypass the mind, <laughs> and to yoke with Brahman. Brahman is the God or the absolute that you were just describing. But I want to clarify something, Jill, for someone that might be scratching their head. There's we've heard that that most Christians today practice what's called Hatha or Hatha, H A T H A, Hatha Yoga. Right. And what's the difference between that and, and just basic yoga? There are multiple kinds of approaches to yoga. So, and there are arguments within it. For example, some argue it goes back 5,000 years, but then when you go look at the material evidence, it's not there. Hmm. So then you have those within yoga and within Hinduism who argue against that. And they say Hatha yoga, which is a newer form of yoga, and it's actually the most virulent form of yoga and it draws more on uh, developing your mind, the layers of your mind, meditating, opening up, waking up the kundalini spirit. Mm -hmm. So you have 
different areas of yoga that people have developed down through the centuries that actually displays or teaches their own view of what yoga is. But that's why when I was researching yoga, you can go back only a certain distance for each type of yoga. And it's not as far as they say it is. Mm -mm. Um, one thing um, Marsha Montenegro says is yoga is an esoteric occult practice, and Christian yoga, in quotes, is an oxymoron. And one more thing in this uh, page here over at the uh, Christian Answers for the New Age, it says um, she was talking about uh, Hindu yoga masters. These are the, the ones that are really seriously uh, practicing the spirituality behind it, and they have been very critical of, of American yoga or yoga as yes. it's taught in the West, and they are offended that it's being taught as a physical exercise or a way to de-stress, and they're upset that the spiritual aspect of seeking Brahman, for, you know, um, bypassing the mind and connecting to these that truth and uh, seeking Hindu deities, they're really upset that that's being left out of many um, American yoga practices. But but it's still into the church, Jill. I've seen it. There's a mega church right here in our area that has held what they call chapel yoga. And also, I looked online, you can even get Christian yoga mats. Uh, now, it's, it's basically an exercise mat, but this one happens to say I can do all things, uh, you know, <laughs> through Christ. And right. so you're doing yoga, and you've got the Christian mat, and does that protect you from the spirituality and the <laughs> anything behind it? Well, we both know, David, that you cannot be possessed <laughs> as a Christian, but you can be oppressed. Mm -hmm. So when you be participate in these kinds of things, you are really opening up yourself to this kind of oppression. Mm. Let me let me give you an example of something that I was thinking about today. All right, say that there was a temple of Baal down the street and you and I went in there and they were doing a particular type of exercise related to the worship of Baal. And we thought, wow, that is a really great way to get your body in shape. I think I'm going to take that. I'm going to work on that. And I'm going to try that at my church. How does that sound? Hmm. I don't think, I think that's conforming to the world. <laughs> it's crazy to me, yeah. don't you think? Yeah, it is. And that's really what they have done with yoga. Yoga, if you look at the actual meaning of the word, it basically means positions. And it has really been twisted into, and like we were saying, um, severed from the heart of it. And that's why yogis are so upset, mm -hmm. because the heart of yoga is not related to the position of your body. It is related to what happens to go on in your mind. Self-realization, opening up yourself to a knowledge outside of yourself, within and outside of yourself. And so you have yoga, meaning sitting in a position, but that is not the ancient meaning. The ancient meaning behind it is sitting in the position, opening up yourself mm. through meditation to deeper things. Wow. It just sounds so dangerous whenever I hear the, the, the words, open up your mind or open up yourself, mm -hmm. open up your heart. What? We've got to be careful. What are we opening up to? And you know very well, you know, the uh, demonic and the, the satanic realm. And it, we've got to be very careful because nowhere in Scripture does it say, uh, just clear your mind and, or open up your mind. It, no, it does not say that at all because then you're susceptible to all kinds of things and spirits. Yes, the only one we're supposed to open up to is the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Amen. Only God. Yeah. Only God. And so, it, once again, you have Satan offering something to the curious side of us. Mm -hmm. Those of us who are disillusioned, maybe, with what's going on in their church, they don't feel welcome or accepted, or they feel like there's something missing. So they become involved in practices that they really have never practiced before. And they think, oh, wow, this is kind of interesting. Mm. And then it goes from there. 
So Satan once again lures us outside of the communion we have with the Holy Spirit and growing in our faith through the study of the Word of God. That's what we should spending our time doing. Amen. Exercising is great. Yes. But, you know, to add the spiritual element to it should send up a big red flag to anyone who has a relationship with Jesus Christ, that there is something here other than him. Amen. Amen. And um, we, we just have to be careful, friends. And, and again, it, it exercise. We've got to take care of our temples while we're here. Um, drink lots of water, get enough sleep, uh, <laughs> find healthy ways to uh, uh, deal with stress in your life. But when it comes to start starting some of these activities, just be careful. I'm looking at this website, Jill, and it's got pictures of goats on, on women's backs, and some men are there too. And there's some, now here's a farm, and there's women laying on their backs on blankets, and there's goats running around. And, I, you know, and I went to, well, how did this get started? Evidently in 2016, this woman named Lainey, Morris was going through a hard time, difficult time in her life. Health-wise, she went through a divorce, and uh, her job, I guess, was coming to an end. And evidently, uh, she chose to draw inspiration from happy distractions. And I think she lives on a farm, if I remember the story right. But she, this happy distraction was provided by six adorable goats, and goat yoga was born. And what, what's amazing to me is, okay, this is something that just seems so random and ridiculous, but now... Since a, a lot of Christians have accepted the practice of yoga or, you know, westernized yoga, now they're saying, oh, how cute. Let's do goat yoga. And so this is a growing thing. And so I go back to the original uh, tweet that I mentioned at the beginning of this segment where Beth Moore uh, tweeted out a couple pictures of her and her daughter. It was her daughter's birthday. And what are they doing? They had a goat yoga party. Now, some would say, come on, you're, you just want to be find something about Beth Moore to, to complain about. But no, 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 she's a Christian leader. Like it or not, she's a role model. Jill, I would love to get your take on this. She doesn't say anything spiritual about it in the post, doesn't say anything, but it's definitely endorsing goat yoga. And, you know, she, she's a very popular author and speaker and... I, th I don't know. I just think we, we just say, oh, there's nothing wrong with that. It looks, look at the daughter holding the goat. It looks so cute. It's sad, isn't it? Yes, it is. The fact that she's influencing so many lives here. Mm -hmm. And I think what we're seeing with this goat yoga is a powerful blend of things. Animal therapy is extremely powerful. And it has been used to heal a lot of people. Mm -hmm. It's especially valuable with autism. Yes, and so yes. you're looking at an animal therapy situation, I think. People are holding and kissing the goats. And the goats are jumping on and off of them. So this part of it, to me, is, I guess, innocent. The animal part of it. Yes. What's bad is they're using something innocent to promote something that is evil. Yeah. It is focused, yoga is focused, like we've been saying, on the worship of Hindu gods. And all you have to do is go to India and look at the different street corners, and you will see an idol on these street corners, and in front of them will be people doing yoga positions. Mm -hmm. So if that doesn't tell you something, I don't know what will. So for Beth Moore to make this kind of a choice, she's obviously an intelligent woman. And up until this point, you know, there were things that were good. Obviously, she had wandered off into some bad areas. But it makes you stop and think and look at her theology again and say, is this a deliberate choice? That's what we have to ask. Mm -hmm. Is this deliberate? It's yeah. very sad because initially she started off with good things. Yes. And unfortunately, she seems to have gone down a path that looks like a choice that is not theologically sound. Yes. And Jill, I'm glad you brought up the um, a animal therapy 
um, many different animals. I mean, dogs. They, you know, people take dogs into uh, right. kid, kids' uh, children's hospitals, and and even for elderly, the elderly, they, you know, there's a lot of animals that are used in a very healthy way, and it is therapy. It does. I mean, just having pets, and uh, they do, do things to the lifespan and your health and your the brain activity. So I know there's a lot of good that's right. associated with animal therapy, but as you said, we're now mixing. This yoga that's uh, not even Christianized, because I don't even want to say that, but it's taking something that's spiritually dangerous, bring it into the church, and now let's add something that the world came up with, and that's, you know, animals. It it's just sounds so harmless. But we just have to be more discerning, friends. And I just look this up later. Is is there anything to this, the goat head on Baphomet or Baphomet? I think it's Baphomet. That's how you pronounce it. But what do you think— why don't they pick cats? Why don't they pick little pigs? Why didn't they pick chickens? Why didn't they pick another animal but, but goats? It's, I just find that to be very interesting. It is. And the Bible talks about separating the sheep from the goats. Jesus mm. made this yes. analogy. Mm, so we tend to look at the goat as representing evil. Hmm. And so it's ironic in a way that this Goat therapy is what has become so popular. You don't see sheep therapy. Interesting. You know, I mean, yeah. I mean, sheep yoga. I should say yoga. <laughs> this goat yoga has become so popular. Yeah. You don't say sheep yoga. You don't say any other kind of yoga. Rabbit yoga or bunny yoga. You don't do that. It's just so crazy. So it's interesting. Interesting. Mm. Anyway, uh, we uh, are going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to change topics. We're going to talk about something that uh, people think it's a simple personality test. Well, um, does the Enneagram cause any problems when it comes to uh, getting into something a little bit more spiritual? And the answer would be yes, because this does contradict the Bible. We'll talk about that. It has a form of godliness but denies its power. But also, uh, Christian witches— they're going to be gathering. A convention of Christian witches are going to gather in Salem, Massachusetts on Easter Sunday. Now, witches, we know the history there with Salem. But now they're saying, oh, no, no, no. But these are Christian witches. These are good witches. So I guess instead of dark magic, there's white magic, good magic. I don't know. We're going to get through all this, sort through this with Jill Martin Rishi when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Our guest today is Jill Martin Rishi, co-author of The Kingdom of the Occult, and we are talking about all kinds of different practices that um, we're, we just want to warn Christians about. To, we need to be more discerning. We need to know God's Word more than anything else. So we recognize counterfeits immediately. To the story now, Jill, a convention of Christian witches are going to be gathering in Salem on Easter Sunday. And uh, this is a true story. Some of you guys might be, oh, come on, really? This is something you should cover around Halloween. But this is a group of self-professed quote, Christian witches. Now, how does that work? Well, we're going to try to figure this out. They're going to be holding an annual convention on Easter. There's a reason for that. Uh, But it's a gathering of witches, sorcerers, sorceresses, wizards, warlocks, necromancers, readers, and uh, it's being organized by this woman, Reverend Valerie Love, and apparently it's going to feature elements of witchcraft, Combined with Christian prayers, uh, Love builds herself as a spiritual life coach. That's what I want to talk about, Jill, in addition to this, because we're hearing a lot of that today. Not just counselor, or biblical counseling, not just uh, going in to see a, a, your pastor, but now you can go to a spiritual life coach. But here's these, these proclaimed witches that are, quote, spiritual life coaches, and she says she's ordained an ordained minister of spiritual consciousness. Um, Jill, your thoughts on the very real thing of witches, of course, we know are real. Witchcraft is something that Bible warns against, but Christianizing these things. It's interesting, I think, this whole idea of a white witch. Mm -hmm. History has no record of white witches. Witchcraft has always historically been linked to Satan, 
And it's funny and ironic that in the 1960s, Anton LaVey, mm-hmm. uh, founder of, of course, the Church of Satan, uh, was arguing with the witches of his time. They were fighting back and forth, <laughs> bickering mm. over what the definition of a witch is. And LaVey basically said to the witches, you're ridiculous. Mm-hmm. There is no white witch. Exactly. So now that's been conveniently forgotten. And we have this whole school of witchcraft that's grown largely, I, I should say, its impetus was Harry Potter, whether mm-hmm. people like it or not. Yes. The problem with Harry Potter is that there are all kinds of tools of the occult used throughout it. And J.K. Rowling has been very upfront with the fact that she has no problem with witchcraft. Witchcraft that's practiced today in this world. Right. Not the witchcraft of Harry Potter. Right. So you've got all of this darkness here and this tidal wave of the occult and witchcraft is right out there in the front and once again david what have they tried to do redefine what witchcraft is there's this movement out there to wipe out history from education some schools don't even teach much of it anymore as if we have an invisible past and that's not the way human history has been humans have always gone back to their history and pointed to different teachers pointed to different mistakes history is such a foundation and to walk away from it is dangerous so now you have this where they've redefined witchcraft thrown history out the window and we come up with quote unquote Christian witches, which is certainly not biblical. In fact, I tend to think it's a stench in the nostrils of God. And to say that you can combine the evil of Satan with God is just blasphemous. So that's what this woman is doing. She's Mm -hmm. promoting blasphemy and she is claiming the power of God when what she really has is the very weak power of Satan. So I think we need to be careful. You need to look at how things are defined. Just like when you're talking to someone who's a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness or is involved in some other type of cult belief, you have to define your terms. Who is she talking about? If she's talking about Jehovah the Bible, I have a real problem with that Mm -hmm. because that's not who he says he is. He says he has nothing to do with this. And we need to go to our definitions and make sure we know where they're coming from. Yeah, I wrote a book called Redefining Truth, and this is what's happening in our culture and in our world today, and moral absolutes and the truth of God. Um, You mentioned white witches, and I think of white magic as opposed to black magic. We think of good witches, and uh, we can go back further than Harry Potter. And by the way, we, we had some, I'm sure we had some listeners tune out when we started talking about the truth of yoga. Now we had some people going, oh no, now you're, now you're going to go there and talk about Harry Potter. But the Wizard of Oz had a good witch, and then the Wicked Witch of the West. The good witch. Remember Glinda, Glenda, Glinda? But anyway, yeah, she was, yeah. A, she was a good witch. And it's interesting that now Disney, more Disney animated uh, series and movies are coming out. There's always been magic. They call it the Magic Kingdom, you know, for goodness sakes. And there's an animated television series coming out, um, The Owl House, it's called. It follows this girl. It's an alternative universe. She strives to become a witch. And this is something that Disney is putting out. So there has been some occult themes that go way back, probably to the, I don't know, 60s, 50s. I don't remember when Disney got going. But back to this article on Christian witches, she said that the book of Psalms is really a book of spells. And we know that's a lie. We, we look at that and go, come on. But they are serious about this. They're having this convention to coincide with Easter, and it's what they call a magical practice in the Christian witchcraft tradition. What are they doing? They're including a cemetery walk, tarot, psalmistry, angel readings. There will be a Harry Potter-themed costume party, of course. And the witches' convention will culminate with a church service on Easter. 
Now, this is offensive to me, but when you go, what does she get out of this? What are these witches getting out of this? Because there's no, okay, let, let's, just, let's just get to the, cut to the chase here. She's offering, because she's a life coach, remember? Spiritual life coach. She's offering programs for an investment of $5,000 to $50,000, and she also holds seances. There it is, money. There it is, uh-huh. Jill, money. Money, the love of money, the root of all kinds of evil. And so to hold this kind of thing, to deceive a lot of people thinking this stuff can be remotely Christianized is, uh, like you said, I think it's a stench in the nostrils of God. Exodus twenty two seventeen says, You shall not tolerate a sorceress. And there's so many other scriptures. Deuteronomy talks about warnings about the occult and, and about mediums. And Micah 5.11, I will destroy the sorcery you practice, and you shall have no more soothsayers. Um, so many verses in scripture, and yet we fall for this because what was Disney, Harry Potter? Entertainment. Hollywood, man. They, they, they took a turn, and I can't point out the decade but they took a turn with primetime television and all these shows on Charmed and, uh, you know, witchcraft. It's these, these amazing movies that were coming out, deceiving a lot of people. But I'll, I'll let you uh, share your final thoughts on Christian witches, and we want to touch on something else real quick, Jill. Well, Paul spent a great deal of his time warning the early church against blending, taking ISIS and blending it with Jesus. Mm. And he, a lot of his arguments are basically, wait a minute, you cannot do this. You need to stand apart from this world, and Jesus is far above this world. So if you are studying your Bible, you should be able to spot immediately that there's something wrong here. I believe that Valerie Love was raised a Jehovah's Witness Uh and is no longer in touch with her family. Uh, She did not have a solid biblical foundation to begin with, if this is the case. And she says as a child that she saw spirits, the quote is, saw spirits and communed with otherworldly entities. Mm. And I believe she did, David. I really do. I mean, Jesus spent, we have in the Bible, three gospels where a huge portion of it is dedicated to how to deal with demons. Why do you think Jesus did that? Right. Because they're there and they lure us in. And I think that's what happened with Valerie Love. And now she is earning an income and growing, practicing spiritually in her mind and having fun exploring the world of the occult, yes. and that is a very dangerous place yes, to be in. Just one, one more final caution. Um, if you are I- interested or you are um, seeing a spiritual life coach, just be careful with those. If, make sure you're in the Bible and Scripture is your foundation. Um, don't have a lot of time to get into this in detail. I apologize, Jill, because we teased the Enneagram. But the Enneagram Institute, it says, can help restore balance to people's personality structures and develop a more desirable spiritual and psychological quality. Uh, They unravel the mystery of their true identity. A person's true identity, now that comes from Christ and not from anything else that man could come up with, even if it's a a Enneagram. I'd love to just get a few thoughts on the Enneagram and how it's into some churches. I would really encourage people, whenever you hear new things, now this has been around for a while, but it still is something new it's on the growing. Christian front. Yeah. So yeah, and it's growing. So when you hear something like this, go dig deeper. Go look for the history of these things. The Enneagram's history is so clearly rooted in the kingdom of the occult, evil, darkness. So when you see that, think for a minute. Why is it that they want us to look there? And why should we take to heart or want to learn from anything that came from there? So it's a question (laughs) of studying to show yourself approved, Mm. a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly interpreting the word of truth. Amen. Praise God. Jill Martin Rishi, thank you for bringing us back to the word of God, our foundation as believers, and of course, the hope we have in Christ is uh, an anchor to our soul. When all this other 
nonsense is going on and people are falling for the most bizarre things, uh, be careful. You guys, maybe we can reach out to younger Christians that are not as mature in the faith and kind of try to steer them in the right direction, of course, to Jesus, back to the Word of God. Uh, thank you so much again for your time today, Jill. We'll put a link to uh, your book, and we'll put that in the podcast notes today. God bless you, and uh, we'll talk to you again in the near future, I hope. Thanks for having me, David. You're very welcome. Jill Martin Rishi, and you can catch her. Uh, she helps out Jan Markell, Olive Tree Ministries. She's got her own ministry, um, Dr. Walter Martin. Uh, we can uh, put those links all together today in the podcast post. So much information to keep up with. And I know it can be daunting at times, you guys, but we do need to be discerning and informed, and nothing can help us more than the Word of God. When we come back, wrapping up today, and a lot of good guests next week as well. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. All right, so much, so much to talk about, so little time. But next week, um, Monday, we have got to do a news and commentary uh, podcast. There's so many headlines going on. Um, what's happening in the government schools, what's happening in our culture, what's happening in Hollywood with the entertainment they're putting out. Some of the products are actually really blatantly offensive. And also what's happening in uh, the, the government in D.C. Uh, with the, the divide there and uh, all the chaos, it seems. Um, we'll talk about that. But a lot of headlines, news headlines from uh, Christian persecution to the movement of the LGBT and transgender issues. I've got a personal story from a friend, well, someone I just recently met who emailed me about an issue at their local school that will blow your mind. And parents have no idea. So we'll talk a little bit about that on Monday as well. Dave Dobbenmeyer, I think he also goes by Coach Dave. He's going to be our guest on Tuesday. He's suing the NFL and Pepsi for the blatantly offensive uh, Super Bowl halftime sex show uh, recently at uh, this year's Super Bowl. And he is. He filed a lawsuit because there was no warning at the beginning of that halftime show, no disclaimer saying some of this might be offensive or not appropriate for young children. I, th I agree with him, but we'll see where, the, where he's at with that lawsuit. Um, John Haller, prophecy expert. We'll talk about that uh, with John. He'll be back with us. It's been several months. And uh, first-time guest, Heather Hobbs, a pro-life uh, speaker and advocate. She will be with us um, next Friday. So a full week again, and I'm looking at the following week even, three brand-new guests the second week in March. I'm just looking at the calendar going, wow, you guys are blessed. By the way, Jill and I talked about the Compass uh, ministry, compass.org. We are also having, in a few weeks, Bill Perkins, who is the founder and executive director of Compass International. So exciting uh, guests coming up. Thank you so much again for sharing our podcasts on social media. A lot of great uh, traffic this week. So thank you. God bless you. Appreciate your prayers. And always keep speaking the truth about things that matter.